for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, here we are back with another coffee call on this beautiful Friday, and it is the first day of the Deer Classic, and uh, you're going to be a busy man today. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it's no joke. Yeah, you've got a full weekend ahead of you. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. That's no joke. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a, I've had a busy week already. Just we, we built a new booth this year for Midwest Whitetail, and I've been working on that for the last three days, and frame the whole thing out it's really nice it's all framed up with two by fours and it's got tongue and groove cedar on it got a few of the mounts this year from some of the guys that have shot deer this season we've already got the mounts back and got a really sweet like cnc cut piece of sheet metal with our logo on it that i backlit with led lights and i don't know i'm i'd be lying if i said i wasn't proud of it because it's it looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you text me some pictures, I was like, "Damn, that looks freaking good!" It looked, it came yeah, out awesome. Was, I don't know. I had fun with it, and it's. I don't know, I'm gonna feel good to sit in front of it. I'll tell you that much. So. <laughs> there you go. Feel feel yeah, proud. Why not? Well, today I figured on the coffee call we could talk about uh, calling whitetails and. All right. Kind of what brought this up is this week I was editing a Rival Wild show, you know, and I was editing footage from Chris and Casey, and, you know, it was during the rut, some hunts during the rut, and, you know, and they were doing some blind rattling and some blind calling and calling when we see deer and everything, and it it kind of got the gears turning, and I was talking to Adam, you know, at work, and I was like, we were talking about just calling and how deer react differently to them, when to call, like, when do you call, and calling in Iowa is a lot different than calling in Michigan, so I thought it'd be a cool one, and when I threw it out to you, you're like, hell yeah, let's do this, man, this is a great topic, and 
I say we take it and just kind of run with it and just, you know, talk about your and I's experiences calling in different states and how deer have reacted differently, you know, just from, you know, our experiences and our opinion, really. Yeah, that's that's a great way to do this. First thing that comes to my mind is like, I'm going to simplify this like one step further. I'm going to, I'm going to list like one, one through five, like top of my list, like best places that give the best results to calling all the way down to like, don't waste your time. Um, and this is just my opinion and we can, we'll dive into the reasons why, like after we kind of get this out, but obviously Texas, like that's the first thing you talk about rattling. You've already, you've seen it a million times. Like it always works in Texas. I don't care who you are. You can go, you can go hit two soda cans together and you're probably going to call in a deer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and from there, man, it's, I've only been in Iowa for a year, but I would say Iowa, Ohio, Kansas, Illinois. I mean, just, I hate to list off those stereotypical, you know, success states, but. Yeah, but I, I get that. Like, that's like your kind of, if you're putting them in tiers, like that's kind of like your upper second tier yeah. possibly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. You know, and then as you get towards the bottom third of that list, I would probably say like, uh, I'm going to jump down to the ones that I wouldn't waste my time in. <laughs> and that's New York. <laughs> yep. That's New York. I would probably say some of those Western states like Montana and Wyoming, like there's a lot of numbers there, but I just feel like there's not enough competition for yep. it to be very effective. Yeah, I agree. And and if I was talking in my kind of tiers, like my, like, like you said, you know, the, the best place to call it is like Texas is up there. I've been to Texas quite a bit and it, it is no joke. You know, you could take, like you said, two pop cans or two rocks <laughs> off the ground and yeah. hit them together, and you're going to have every buck around you just, like, come in hot, you know. And then if I had to come down just a little bit, I mean, it doesn't mean these are any worse states to call in or not, but uh, they're really good still. Kansas is highly on the list yeah. um, just because I've spent a lot of time in Kansas and seen it work in Kansas a lot. And then I'm going to go to Illinois. Illinois, actually, Illinois is is really high on the list because, just in my experiences, it's it works really well. Blind calling, rattling, I mean, all of the above. Iowa's yep. right there, and then kind of my you know my my lower end tier. First of all, I don't ever take antlers into the woods in Michigan, and I probably would never take them into the woods in uh, you know New York and PA and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, that's kind of how my tier falls down too. And, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, they kind of fall just above that Michigan to, you know, the, the second tier kind of states, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, and to kind of go back to what sprung this idea was I was watching this footage that I was editing and it kind of made me think like over the years, the last seven, you know, six or seven hunting seasons, whether I've been hunting and rattling or if, you know, Casey's been doing it, blind rattling. Let's start there. Blind rattling. How many times has it ever worked where you had a mature deer run into you like right away, you know, or, or within, you know, a few yeah. seconds or 30 seconds or something? I don't know. I don't, the answer is very, is very small. Like not, not very, very small. often, not very many Yes, is the answer. But for me, it happened this year. And it happens to be actually be the very first deer I've ever killed that I rattled in. And I, and yeah. as you, you saw the footage and it's like, I didn't even know the deer was in frame. Like he was right there a hundred yards away. I didn't even know it. So I call that just a, a fluke because 
had I seen that deer, would I have rattled at him regardless? I don't know. But I just I just went at it, and I didn't even know he was already there. But it got his attention, and he came charging in. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it I agree with you. Like the the it's a low probability of it happening. Now we've had a lot of instances where just like little bucks will run in like crazy, oh, yeah. you know, trying to pick up the scraps of that fight. Who's gonna come out limping? Who do I get a piece of? You know, yeah. Um, but as far as the mature deer, you know, the four and a half, five and a half, six and a half, six and a half year old deer, it just it doesn't happen all the time. The last six or seven years, I haven't got to hunt the rut a lot in states where I can take rattling antlers. You know what I mean? So yep. the one time I did in Missouri, first morning I've ever rattled, blind rattled ever, I rattled a buck in at 32 yards and killed him. And it was unbelievable. So me personally, rattling bucks in, I'm 100%. So <laughs> I'm, one for, I'm one for one. But in the grand scheme of things, if I throw Casey into that mix, like I'm with him as well, you know, it's... It's, it's very low, but it's, it has happened. Right. You know, this year I had an instance in Michigan, and I do blind call here in Michigan, but I have a sequence that I do. I, I'm a firm believer in, like, a can call, like a Primos can call. I love yep. that thing. I don't go in the woods without it. And uh, the reason my reason for it is because I'm not going to intimidate any buck doing a bleat, like a, a like a doe bleat. So I don't feel like it, it – it can hurt you, don't get me wrong, but I just think – the probability of it hurting you is is not very high. So I take that, and then I take a grunt call, like a Primo's grunt call. I've got the same one, you know, same two calls I've had for a long time. I mean, like, eight or ten years. I've, I still have the same ones. So this year, I, you know, in Michigan here, I had a buck, a three-and-a-half-year-old buck, come out into the field, in the beans, and it was November 10th. And uh, he was a shooter buck that I had on camera. I needed to get his attention, and I had a decoy out. You know, I've said this on the podcast before. I bleated at him a couple times, bleated, bleated, bleated. He'd look at, you know, look in my direction, but then he put his head down. So then I made him know that something was there. So then when he put his head down for the last time, I said, well, I'm going to throw a grunt at him. And I turned my grunt tube away. I never, I never grunt at a deer when I can see them. Uh, I just feel like it's like you got a megaphone up there and you're like, hey, I'm over here. You know, you want it to be like, okay, you heard it. I got to come over there and investigate. So I just hit him with a couple soft grunts. He looked in my direction and on a rope, he came right at me. And I also see, in my opinion, a lot of people, you know, even with rattling antlers or grunt call, whatever it is, if there's a buck looking in your direction, they still call. In my opinion, that's kind of not the right way to do it. Because like I said, it's like you with a blowhorn up there just yelling like, hey, I'm over here in a tree 20 feet up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would just kind of advise against that. But same way here in Michigan, when I do a blind call, you know, I'll go in there and I'll do a couple bleats, three bleats, and then I'll do a couple soft contact grunts like a buck's kind of nudging a doe around in the woods. And I've had so many bucks come in to that like blind here in Michigan, like, like, you know, good shooter bucks. And that's kind of the philosophy I take here in Michigan, which I don't know what, what's your thoughts on that? My thoughts are, I mean, in my opinion, if I can see a deer, and I can read its body language. I can see, like, I don't want to say with a doe because there's not much you can do to get a buck to come off of a doe. It's like trying to call in a turkey with 25 hens. not going to happen. But if I can see a buck that's you know, making a scrape or just cruising or kind of scent check-in or, you know, if I, if I can read his body language, that's going to tell me how to call to him and what to do to get him in range. You know, I'm, I wouldn't be afraid to, to call to a deer that I 
could see. I guess is what I'm was what I'm saying, and that's only because I I'm confident enough in knowing what he's doing and how to make him respond to me the way I want. That that's just me, but I I I'm not afraid to blind call either. And with that, again, I'm unlike you. I I don't even own a bleak can. Everything I do, I I try to focus on like on buck vocalizations. So either rattling, which isn't really a vocalization, but you know, the audio of antlers, you know, the rattling, and buck grunts. I've had just as much success grunting immature bucks by sounding like a young deer, a young buck, as I have challenging a mature buck by trying to make myself sound, you know, more mature than, than he is, if that makes any sense. Yep. I also know guys who, who refuse to blind call. I'm not gonna lie. There's a part of me that does it sometimes because I've been sitting there for two hours and I've only seen cardinals, chickadees, and red squirrels, and I'm bored. I want to make some yep. noise. I feel like yep, it's a reset exactly. button. I feel like it's a reset button. I, I'm the same way. Like the same feeling. Like I don't go into every set just blind calling either. Right. You know what I mean? Like because I'm the same way you are. Like I would just rather have it happen naturally. You know, yeah. but it's like you get to that point, like you said, you know, you've just been watching birds all night and it gets to prime time and you're like, oh man, it's chilly tonight. It's like yeah. prime time. Let's wake up the woods a little bit. You know, like I get yep. that feeling and then that's when I'll do it. Yeah. And you're sitting there telling yourself like, I've already been sitting here for two hours or three hours. Like everything has calmed down. You know, it's, I might as well not even be here. So let me, I'm going to make a noise. that sounds like an animal that is here, you know, the deer you're trying to kill, obviously, but. It's, I don't know, it gives me that confidence, like, where I start paying attention again. Like, if I lose focus, it's like, just throw out a couple grunts, you know. I'm not saying, like, go all crazy, like, smashing your fist, you know, rattling your brains out and just making all kinds of a ruckus. But, like, just a couple soft grunts, you know, some contact grunts or bleats, you know, whatever you got. Just just break the silence. <laughs> and Yep, break you know, the monotony see- a little. <laughs> And see what happens. Like you, you never know. Like how, how close a deer could be that you don't even know is there. Yeah, and when you, when I really think about it too, the blind calling that I've done over the years, I have called some pretty decent deer in, and you know to within bow range. But it again, that is a low probability of it happening. It doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. You know, it, so that's why I just don't do it all the time. But like you said, and I kind of reiterated there is like that's. It's when you're bored, kind of, and you're like, ah, let's let's light the woods up a little bit, see what's out there, you know. Yeah. So that's that's kind of when I jump into it. But you know, I have heard of guys, you know, here in in Michigan, they'll take rattling antlers with them in the stand, like in early October. And what they'll do is they'll take the tips of the tines and they'll just tinkle them, just tink, 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 and just yeah. it, it sounds like you know two little bucks kind of just messing around in a little food plot or something. You know, you get those trail cam pictures; these little bucks just kind of touching you know the tips of their tines and everything and a lot of people say that 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 has worked for them i don't know what the success rate is at that but uh i thought it was kind of interesting that they they'll do that i i don't have you know big enough balls to go and do that to be honest with you i just feel like i like getting in the stand <laughs> being quiet and just like let's let it happen yeah and you know and and hearing you say that makes me kind of revert back to the beginning of this conversation where i mentioned density like in reference to like wyoming and montana like there's a lot of deer per per square mile in those states where the deer actually exist like along the rivers and you know there's there's places where whitetails don't exist in montana obviously but in the places that they are you know it's still a 
an option for you to call to them. And the success of that calling is going to, in my opinion, be very heavily dependent upon the density. And not only the density, but your buck-to-dough ratios. So like in your case, in Michigan, it's like you may have a solid deer density, but your buck-to-dough ratio is to the point where a buck may not feel very threatened or um, challenged by another buck because he knows he doesn't need to pick that fight or acknowledge, you know, the offer to fight because he can just, he can turn around and walk away and go find five more does if he wants to by the end of the day. Exactly. You know, yep. as opposed to like Texas where, I mean, I don't even know what the deer numbers are per square mile, but it's a freaking lot. <laughs> and yeah, the there's chances a lot of are deer. like, yeah, the chances are that that one buck is probably going to run into, you know, out, out of the next 20 deer encounters, five or six of those might be more bucks. So it's like if I hear someone challenging me or if I hear something going on that sounds like some kind of breeding, you know, vocalization or, you know, a fight for those breeding rights, then I better put my two cents in, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to get in on that. Right. And it's just one of those things where it's it's not so much the sheer number of deer, but the number does have to do with what your ratio is. So it's, you know, take those things into consideration and, you know, maybe that's why you don't have very much success. Like you can look out your back window and there's 40 deer at your bird feeder, but how many of those deer are actually bucks? Right. Right now you're not going to, you might not know if you can't identify because they're not holding antlers, but that that's the difference in my opinion. I agree, man. And, you know, that's something I keep track of during the year. I write, you know, I have a journal and every night when I see adult does, I write how many adult does I saw and then how many bucks that I saw. So I can kind of get a close number to where, or a good idea, at least in the ballpark to where, you know, I think my numbers are. And this year, you know, on the main farm, we talked about it. My numbers are pretty darn close from what you know, from my, my buck to doe ratio, you know, and like I said, you go to my family farm 15 minutes away, they're way the hell off. Like we need to kill some does. So, you know, it's something to, you know, it's kind of fun to, to take note of too. Just, you know, pull out your notepad on your phone too, and just write a little note in, Hey, I saw six adult does tonight. Don't call it the, don't count the fawns and the, and the yearlings, but count the adult does and, and, you know, and the bucks. And it's kind of crazy when you add them up at the end of the year or whenever to see what your ratio is. You know, oh, I saw 75 adult does this year. You know, some of those probably are the same does, but at least you kind of know. And then you saw, you know, 18 different bucks. Well, you know what your ratio is kind of where, where your numbers are at. Yeah. And that's, I think if you're hunting private land, that's obviously something that, you know, you, you're going to want to, always monitor that, you know, for, you know, to the best of your ability, whether it's based on trail cam pictures or personal observations from your stand or, you know, the number of sheds you find, or if you can identify buck beds versus doe beds, it's one of those things to to keep in mind. And again, like when it comes to those numbers, the more numbers you have, the harder time you're going to have in identifying, is it a buck bed or a doe bed? Or, you know, if the antlers are off, is that a buck or is that a doe? So just the, the more information you can get in the time frame that it's available, the more effective you're going to be, you know, as a hunter, number one. But number two, you're going to know how to how to communicate when you decide you want to call. 
Exactly. You know, and you made a good point too earlier on in this podcast where you had talked about being able to read a deer and, you know, read what his mannerisms are and how he's acting. Like, that's huge. Like, I just like going out and watching deer, you know, any time of the year, you know, whether it be, you know, the summer, the fall, whatever, the winter, late season. I like going out and watching deer and reading them and like just learning more about how they act and how they interact around each other. And that's you know, it'll make you a better hunter as well because you know the next move what this deer is going to do or, you know, it. this year when I had that encounter with that deer in Michigan, he was he came out, he just got out of his bed, came out in the bean field, and he was eating beans. Well, I would hit a, I'd hit a bleat and he'd look up my way, but then he'd put his head down. He's like, ah, you know, I was, I was reading him. I was like, okay, what do you got? What do you, what do you need here? He couldn't yeah. see my decoy. So I'm like, well, I'm going to hit him with another bleat. When he put his head down, I hit him with another. And he looked up, and he kind of took a step towards me. And he's like, okay, something, something's different over there. And then when he put his head down for the last time, I hit him with that soft grunt. And then that was the reassurance he needed. Like, okay, there's a buck with a hot doe over there. He felt like he was the alpha, I would think, in that scenario. Because I'm not going to lie, he made about 250 yards in a matter of like four seconds, he was there. Yeah, you know, he he yep. needed to 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 get over there and see what the hell was going on. You know, like I mentioned earlier, like I've had just as much success sounding like a young deer as I do when I sound like an old deer, and that's a perfect example of of that because if it's the if it is the dominant deer like on your property, or you know, if he's already kicked everybody's ass, he's gonna respond to anything. Like he knows he's top dog out there so he's gonna accept every challenge that comes his way he's not gonna turn anything down so it's exactly and and that's the that's the deer you want like that's a mature deer like in his prime you know that's you couldn't ask for like if you're targeting if you are targeting a mature deer and that's that's your idea of your your target animal he's gonna respond to anything as far as as far as a challenge like another a male vocalization right And, and this deer he was the upper echelon of the deer in my area I know he was at least three and a half. He wasn't wearing a birth certificate, so I couldn't really tell if he was four and a half. He didn't scream four and a half, but I do know he was a three and a half year old deer. But he was 125 inch eight pointer, you know, three and a half year old deer. But he is the top 10% of the bucks in my area. He knew something was over there, and he was probably the bigger deer and had to go over and investigate. So that was, you know, that was just that reassurance, you know, and. As the hunt unfolded, I obviously he came into thirty five yards, and I was trying to film myself. It was a big debacle. I mean, it's it's whatever, <laughs> and it's it's over yeah. now. So, I didn't get a shot at him. But like afterwards, I wanted to be really upset about the whole situation. But then I had to get the positive out of it and say, well, no, I I called that deer in. Like my, what I was doing worked, and it worked to a T. Now, if I wasn't fiddle screwing around with a camera and trying to get him on camera, I would have got an arrow off. You know, so. Yeah. It, it did work. It was just, you know, a learning experience. You know, we talk, you and I talk about it all the time. Screwing yep. up will, you know, makes you uh, a stronger hunter or stronger person in the long run. Yeah. I mean, I, I think out of this conversation, the biggest thing anybody can take away is probably that density factor. I mean, no one from Texas is going to deny that rattling is awesome. And nobody from Michigan, New York, or Pennsylvania is going to deny that they're not going to waste their time doing it. Right. Yep. You know, within that density, you've got to have an understanding of your ratio because that's 
that's going to determine the effectiveness of it. But again, the the overall density is going to give you an idea of what that ratio should be. So it's one hand washing the other, so to speak. Well, cool, man. Let's wrap this thing up and uh, call it a day. You got a long weekend ahead of you, and uh, and uh, I think it's going to be fun. You're going to be on your feet a lot this weekend, so you better wear your walking shoes. Yeah, I actually wore them today. I took the boots off today for the, for the setup process, and I've already I already feel relief. <laughs> yep, for sure. Well, cool, man. Let's wrap it up and uh, let's get out of here. All right, sounds good. If you guys are in the market for new strings and cables this year, go to AmericasBestBowStrings.com, customize your new strings and cables, and at checkout, type in Fall Podcast to get ten dollars off orders ninety nine dollars and over. So all you got to do is go to americasbestbowstrings.com, like I said, and at checkout type in Fall Podcast to get $10 off any sets of custom strings that you want from America's Best. Mm-hmm.